Amen. Good morning, somebody. Good morning. All right. It is a little warm in here, which I guess is good considering it's 25 degrees outside. Thank you guys for, for coming out and braving this weather. I'll be excited about the word this morning. All right, let's take off your coats and relax and get comfortable. But let's press in. Amen. I want to just start up. I want to just get right into it. This is this. I want to just go go right in. We're going to go right in with a scripture. I want to read a, a a passage to you. If you could turn your your uh, eye devices to Psalm seventy three. If you have an Android, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm Psalm 73, Psalm 73, let's turn to Psalm 73, amen, there we go, alright, uh, follow along with me, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So right off the bat, we see the psalmist is struggling with the way he's living as opposed to um, those around him. The way that his experience, and he's a child of God, with the experience of the people around him. He, he goes on and he says, you know, he's having some issues right now with the, with the people. He says, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the burdens common to men. They're not plagued by human ills. They're, therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds knows no limits. He's going off, right? They scoff and they speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. They're always carefree. They increase in wealth. And then he starts to question himself now. He starts to question the way he's living. And he says in verse 13, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. Anybody ever felt that way? Surely in vain am I trying to be good. Am I trying to do the right thing? He says, in vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I would speak this, I would have betrayed your children. But when I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me. He said, when I try to understand why, why the good suffer and the evil seem like they have everything, it was oppressive to me. Let me give you a context. Let me, let me let, let you understand where he is right now. Who he is and where he is. The psalmist wrote this psalm expressing his heart to, to share what he went through, probably in hopes to comfort 
the people of God who were with him at this point in captivity. So when this was written, the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity. They were removed from their land. Their land had been destroyed. Their temple had been wrecked. And they had been all taken captives and taken away from their land to the land of the enemy. So they were in captivity right now. So I want you to kind of put yourself in that place so you understand and see this man's heart. See, in the days before captivity, normal Judaism meant living with the presence of God. It, it, it meant there was, there was God was accessible at the temple. Whenever you went to the temple, the presence of God was felt. There was spirituality that was felt there. The, the Ark of the Covenant and the and the the the, the all they were they would burn incense and the incense would rise up to God and you and God would answer prayers and they would sacrifice animals and their sins would be atoned for and they and, and daily they would they gathered to hear and the word of God was taught. The problem was when they had all that, it wasn't as important to them. Come on, press in, press in. When they could experience the presence of the one true God, it's like it wasn't enough for them. See, the children of God have always struggled with wanting what other people have. Oh, no, you didn't get that. The children of God have always struggled with wanting what everybody else has. I'm talking to anybody. Amen. These were God's people who through their own unhealthy lifestyles, their own patterns and poor choices, have now found themselves living in captivity under the enemy's hand. Who were, in their eyes, more wicked than they were, but they were the ones in charge. They had the money, they had the riches, they had all the material goods, they, were, they had the power and the control. And even the Babylonians at this point thought, man, maybe the God of Israel isn't all that. Maybe he's not the one true God. Maybe... One of our 19 gods is, is actually more strong, is more powerful than he. And they were even entertaining those things. Because obviously, you know, we've got, we had victory over the Israelites. So, you know, when you win a battle over somebody, you start to think that you're better than them. Right? Anybody? When you win an argument, you start to think, I'm smarter than this dude. <laughs> right, wives? <laughs> you, you win an argument, you start to think, I'm smarter. You don't understand that we're... <laughs> we just know we have to let you win. But let's not go there. That's a whole other thing. My wife's in children's church. So church. <laughs> see, see the, the, the Babylonians thought, you know, obviously we're victorious. So, see, but the enemy then and the enemy even now doesn't get that the only reason he wins any battles at all is because God's about to use him to make them better. Amen. Go ahead. All things work together for good to those that love God. So even when the enemy is allowed to win a victory, it's just God using him to better me. Amen. Amen. Can, can you, if you get that mindset, you'll be a little, a little happier. If you understand that every time the enemy wins a victory about uh, uh, against you, anytime the enemy wins something against you, you, see, you, you have to stop and say, wait a minute, God, you're just using him to make me better. Oh, that's good. You guys, half of you can leave. That's all you needed today. <laughs> Let's get back to the song. So even in this devastating point in Israel's history, I mean, this is rock bottom for God's people. 
They're taken from their land, their temples destroyed, they're in captivity, they're strangers in a foreign land. The psalmist is reflecting on what he knows opposed to what he's feeling. Anybody ever struggle Amen. with what you know? I know, yes, yes. but I'm feeling a certain kind of way. He's saying, surely God is good to his people. Surely God is good to Israel. Surely, but as for me, this sucks. As for me, I'm, I'm struggling. I almost lost it. I can't understand it. He sees that the enemy is prosperous. He's not seeing the full picture or the real picture as they really are, but he sees right now they have everything. They have everything they want. They don't care about God. They make fun of us. They mock God. They're telling jokes about us. He's feeling like the grass is greener for them. The sky is bluer. The air is clearer. The flowers are brighter in the pots of the wicked. Ever felt that way? You ever felt like, you know, we're trying to be good and we suffer, and there are people that don't care and don't try and they appear to be blessed? Come on, can we be honest? Can we put down, take the mask off today and take the, the self righteousness off and say, yeah, sometimes I struggle with that? Sometimes I try to be good. We're trying to live the way God calls us to live and we have troubles. And there's people all around us lying, cheating, stealing, treating people like dogs. And, and it, appear, it appears from our side of the fence they're doing better. It appears that they're more blessed. And yes, sometimes, as for me, I struggle with that. The psalmist is saying. See, one, one, I remember for me, man, one thing that used to always get, get to me and I still have to catch myself sometimes. Because I used to drive Humpties, like since I learned how to drive. If you don't know what a humpty is, it's a car that you usually don't even start with a key. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? I remember I, I was working at corporate, so I had to wear a suit and tie, and I had to open the hood, the hood to start my car. A little embarrassing. Amen? The key is useless. You can give people the key. Here's the key to my car. You can't start it. You got to know where to put the screwdriver on what bolt and click the starter. Ka -ka, ka -ka. Car and drive away. So, so I used to, for me, I, I used to get so mad because I'm driving this. I'm working 40 hours a week. I'm trying to support a family. I'm trying to serve God. I'm, I was working in ministry, and and I see a you know 19 year old in a BMW and a Benz. And I used to get so mad. I get racist in the whole night. They give me Hispanics and I'm like, drug dealer. Yeah, because you're selling drugs. That's why I used to drive that car. I, all kinds of judgment, right? I think all, forget that they can have good jobs, they can have, you know, whatever. No, for me, they're all drug dealers. Anybody. Anybody had a better car than me, I judge them right off the bat. I have to catch myself, amen? <laughs> so the psalmist is living among God's people in captivity. They're slaves, and, and the prosperity of the wicked is just getting to him because of, of who they are, and, and God has handed them over to the enemy. But, but understand, even in that, and this is beautiful, God's promises, <coughs> even in that, God promises them, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm still going to be with you. And, and, and there's going to be a certain point again where I'm going to return you to your land. And when he does, you're going to be better than you were before. Amen. See, sometimes, church, the consequences of our decisions send us into captivity. 
Sometimes the consequences of your choices, of our choices, send us into captivity. And we just have to do the time. Oh man, that's not a problem. Not a good message. You just have to do. You said, but he's a chain-breaking savior. Yes. God is a chain-breaking savior, but we continue to go get fitted for new shackles. With the, with the decisions that we make, with the choices that we make. He's, he's breaking chains off us, and Friday night we're going to get new ones. And then Sunday we're crying at the altar. God, I thought it was... Yeah, but, 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 but you, you understand, like, we're, we're getting fitted. We're, we're saying, you know, God, God, I don't know if this is Mr. Right, but, but he's Mr. Good for right now. <laughs> he's Mr. Right for right now. Shackles, and we get, you know, but, and, and, and remember, when we're talking about the, these people <coughs> that the psalmist is feeling bad about and, and that he's part of, the Israelites had their own land. God had already been so good to them. God had brought them to a, a promised place. He, he had walked with them and, and provided for them and blessed them and done miracle after miracle in their presence. They've, they've seen the hand of God work. They've seen that God do mighty things, and they continually were unfaithful and continually took it for granted and God tolerated their unfaithfulness for years. If you look at the Old Testament, it's not like they messed up once and God said, that's it, boom, boom, you're out. It was years and years. But they keep wanting what everybody else had. They said, but, but God, you know, the, those, the, that country has kings. God said, you don't want kings. I'm the king. I'm the king of kings. You don't need nobody but me. He said, yeah, but they have kings. Okay, you want kings? Here. And generations of wicked kings ruled them and drew them away from God. And 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 they, you know, and it, it wasn't like they messed up once. God, it got there was years and years of God's people mixing the world and worshiping with other gods and, and mixing other cultures and taking on customs and cultures that were anti-God. God had already made it clear to them, I am the I am. There's no other gods before me. No other God made after me is a God. I am the I am. You can't serve God and add other gods. Family, you got to get this. This isn't just Israel time. This is a, You can't serve God and add other gods. God does not need a supplement. God does not need a booster. God does not need a helping hand. God is God. He's the I am. Anything you need, I am. Amen. You can't serve God and add. You can't serve God and build altars and temples with other images. You can't walk with God and sleep with Baal's temple prostitutes. When you continually tell God, you're going to do His thing your way. Sometimes he'll let you do it. Sometimes he'll let you try it. And the, the beautiful thing about the grace of God is that it's always for our good. Even when God lets go, it's always for our good. It's for our redemption. It's so that we can taste something and hopefully come back to, to where. It, it's almost as if like God is saying, listen, if I leave you right here where you are, you're going to be lost. So I'm going to let you go. 
If I hold you right here, you're going to be lost. You're going to be resentful. You're going to be bitter. You're, going to, you're never going to enjoy the, 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 the joy that I, I want to put in you so I let you go. So that you can go and taste and come and then, and then be restored. Amen? Amen. And so God had sent prophets to warn them and declare and call back. He eventually sent Jeremiah who told them, Okay guys, you're going to be taken captive. And you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. That's hardcore. I mean, you know, if God told you 70 years, that means your life. That means you're never going to go back. You are never going to go back into the promised land. You blew it. That's done. You, 70 years. What is that saying, though? It, it's beautiful because it's saying, God is saying, I'm putting a limit to the end of this trial. I'm putting a limit to the end of this test. And I love that God loves us enough to do that. So what does that mean? That means we need to, that's giving you time now to teach the next generation. And to pour into the next generation. So that the next generation could, could learn from your mistakes. Teenagers, please, you got to listen to the old people. Because we've made the mistakes that you want to make. We've made those things already. We've tested all that already. And so we're just trying to tell you, bro, I did that. It doesn't work. And so, listen, I'm never going to go back. It's 70 years. I'm going to be over. I'm never going to go back. But listen to me because you and your kids are, are going to be part of that generation that gets back. You and your kids. Not me. I'm done. I want you to learn from me. So, he says, in 70 years, I'm going to find you and I'm going to call you back. And now... Church, if we're honest, the story of God's people continually repeats itself. We are Israel. We've been delivered, we've been rescued, we've been set free, we've experienced things in, in God from the extreme to the gentle touch of His presence during worship. We have the full word of God that they didn't have. We have the promises of God. We have seen the provisions of God. Anybody have seen the provisions of God? Amen. Anybody seen God just provide? Anybody ever felt God just touch you for no reason? Anybody ever just felt the presence of God overwhelm them? Anybody just cry sometimes because you just you feel so good in God? But we have, we have experienced the faithfulness of God. We have something they didn't have. We have the Spirit of God in us and with us. I, I can't imagine what it was like for them without it. If we do what we do with it. Wow. If we do what we do with it, then we can't judge them for having prostitutes in church and sleeping with them. That sounds like crazy to us. But we have the Spirit of God in us and we do we wild out. So we have all these experiences, thank you. We have all these experiences that should bring us closer to God and, and to keep us one with God, but we always want what somebody else has. And when we linger long enough, when we allow ourselves to be seduced and entertained, and then, then we start to question everything we already knew to be true. And then we start to question our own experiences. You know, I don't know, was that really God? Was, could that have been a coincidence? Anybody played that game? God, I asked you for forty-two fifty, and I got a check in the mail for forty-two fifty from six years taxes ago. Probably a coincidence. You ever, you ever, you ever done that to God? I know. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I have. 
Like stupid things. God, get, send somebody right now. And somebody's... That was okay. He was probably here anyway. <laughs> You've done it, right? You've done it. He was, he, even if I didn't pray that, he was probably already on the way. That was probably going to happen anyway. And, and, and we've seen God's faithfulness again and again and again. And we just, we still want what everybody else has. And so this psalmist's transparency is awesome because it gives feelings to, 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 it gives a voice to those feelings that we have. Amen? Sometimes we're tempted to become bitter because we don't have what they have. And so when we, we say like the psalmist, surely in vain I live my life like this. Surely in vain, man, I go to church. In vain I try to be good. In vain I stop trying to sleep around with everybody. In vain, surely. I miss all those opportunities. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But wait. Let's continue the psalm because now he starts to come to his senses and he starts to get the full picture. Look, verse 17 now going on. He says, then I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny. The message says, I, am, I entered the sanctuary and then I saw the whole picture. I submit to you, church, we need to back up sometimes and see the whole picture. We need to see the whole thing. We think, oh, they're doing better, they're best, they're this, they're that, they're more, they're more. Wait, wait. He says, verse 18, he continues, Surely, God, you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream, when one awakes, so when you arise, O oh Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, he's confessing now, I was senseless and I was ignorant. I was a brute beast. The word brute, I was stupid. Saying, God, I was stupid. Verse 23, yet I am always with you. Listen to this is what happens when... When God does a work in you and you start to understand and you start to change from grieving to gratefulness. He says, ah, yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Mm. And afterwards, you'll take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And, and, and on earth has nothing I have, I, I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Verse 27, he says, those who are far from you, they'll perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign God my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. I love the wordplay and the poetry of the Psalms. In the beginning, he says, surely God is good to Israel, but as for me, I nearly lost it. Surely God is good, but as for me, I nearly lost my mind. Focusing on things I didn't have to focus on, worrying about things I don't have to worry about. Am I talking to anybody today? Then he sees the full picture, and because the, the, the full picture, if you, if you think about it, rain falls on the good and the bad. That's right. Amen? That's right. Trouble comes to the good and the bad, right. to the blessed and the wicked. In a sin sick world, sickness and disease visits the good and the bad. Right. Some rich people have less financial stability than the poorest of us. 
Some people have every material possession they could desire and they have no peace. We hear it, we just watch the news. Some people have every have the best money can buy and they don't know happiness. They have everything money can buy and they have no hope for the future. They take their own lives. The psalmist's second ask for me moment, he says, ask for me. It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. The, the message says, you've taken my hand. You wisely and tenderly lead me. And then you bless me. You're all I want in heaven. You're all I want in earth. When my skin sags and my bones get brittle, God is rock firm and faithful. As for me, it is good to be near God. We need to reflect, church, and have those as for me moments. There's people all around us. You have this group saying this and this group saying that. And you can have these people feeding you this. And feed. We have to have an ask for me moment. Listen, listen, that's whatever, however you're feeling about that. I'm sorry. But ask for me. I choose to be near God. Amen. Church, I don't know where you're at today. If you've been struggling with the call of this world, and if you and to, to have more and to be more. I don't know if you've been struggling with the pull of this world to be like them. To just give in and do whatever you want. How can we not with, with the, the advertising around us 24-7? Around the cater, the advertising, Google Analytics catered right to you. Everything you've ever searched for shows up on Facebook. Everything you've ever searched for shows up on your internet. You're like, wait, how did Facebook know that I was looking for a lawnmower? Oh, because it took the Google Analytics and then you were looking for lawnmowers. All of a sudden there's nothing but lawnmower ads come up on Facebook. You ever notice that? You think you're bugging, but that's all planned. It's catered. Everything in the world is catered. Listen, everything that you ever wanted, you could have. You could buy. You can get 14 easy payments of $97.99. Less than $100 a payment for the next 14 years. But who cares? You can have everything you want. You can, you can have what he has. You see the car he has? You can have that too. Now, instead of a five-year loan, you can do a six- or seven-year car loan. Praise God. That means you can, instead of paying $700 a month, you can pay $500 a month for an extra two years. It doesn't matter at the end that you paid $180,000 for the Toyota. It doesn't matter. Who cares? The point is you can have what you want right now. Right? Everything's catered around us. Everything's feeding us. So I don't know where you're at today, man. And I don't know if you've been feeling that pull and you just, sometimes you just want to give in and do whatever you want, man. Sometimes I know... Let me talk to the singles, man. I know that's hard. Amen. Come on. We need to pray for our singles. We need to pray for our young people. It's so hard to be a young person today. So hard to be, not even teenagers, man. It starts at like nine, like eight. Younger, I know. I don't know. It's crazy. It's scary. But it's hard because everything's just feeding their sexuality and perverting their sexuality and everything is just... Seems so dirty, right? And maybe you've been like the psalmist, you've been losing your mind, about to lose my foothold, and you've been questioning, is it all worth it? <laughs> Battling with what you might feel that you're giving up or missing up, missing out on. I have people tell me, yeah, but you know, I could have done this, I could you could have done what? Really? And and then what? And then where do you treat that STD? And then you have four baby mamas. Then, then what? Then what? Is that what you want? 
And you continue, and you, and, and you know, all the things that we want, we don't see the result. We just see the, the immediate satisfaction because that's what we're fed, you know. And, oh, but I could do this, I could do that. Yeah, but then, then, then you'd be cheating on your wife. Yeah, you could. Go. There's plenty of women at your job that'll sleep with you. Plenty of men that'll be willing to compromise anything. But then, you, then, then what? Then you have to look in the mirror and face your wife. Then you have to face your kids. Then you have to tell your daughters that you don't want them to live like that. That's not what you how that's not good. That's not the right way to live. It, but dad. But mom. We have to look at the full picture, church, especially in today's time. We have to look at the full picture and understand what truly satisfies. You have to decide. As for me, I want to be near God. I pray that that's, that that's the thing for us today. As for me, I want to be near God. One of the things I believe the Spirit of God was teaching me in this passage is that we need to stay near to God. We need to consciously create those as for me decisions. I'm going to stay close. Because watch this. Look, distance creates disconnection. I say this to people all the time when they stay away from church. So we've been out of our building four months and you're okay with that? Not being in church for four months? Oh, I watch online sometimes. Okay. Have a good time. <laughs> Distance creates disconnection. Disconnection breeds dryness. Dryness fosters disobedience. Disobedience creates more distance. The longer you stay away, the more distant you are. More distance creates more disconnection. And more disconnection breeds more dryness. And more dryness fosters more disobedience. And more disobedience creates more distance. And more distance creates more disconnection. And more disconnection creates more dryness. More dryness fosters more disobedience. More disobedience creates more distance. And then you come to church and oh, I don't feel connected. <laughs> I never felt like a part. As for me, I need to stay connected. As for me, I need to stay connected. As for me, I need to trust God. As for me, it's, it's, it's good to be near God. Whatever it is, church, that you need to do to draw near to God, to remain in Him, now is the time more than ever before to do it. It's time to choose to hold tight. Can you, can you hear me out for a couple more seconds? Give priority to the things that matter to God. This is the word for you. Give priority to the things that matter. You can't be self-centered and God-centered at the same time. It doesn't work. Yourself will always want what the flesh wants. You can't be self-centered and God-centered and think that you're good enough because you're better than those around you. Don't compare yourself to anybody. Be God-centered. Say, God, it's good for me to be. As for me, it's good for me to be near you. Listen, it's time to fight against temptation. It's time to listen carefully. We never get any smarter talking. Explaining, uh, rationalizing. Uh, Shh, it's time to listen. Amen? Amen? It's a season to be obedient. It's time to make right choices. It's, it's time to take the steps that you need to take. Some of you have been limbo too long. It's time to take the steps you need to take. It's time to admit whatever sinful pattern you're in and break it. 
God's ugly. He's a chain-breaking Savior, but He can't break chains that you're hiding. He won't break chains that you don't expose to Him. Not that you're hiding, don't think you're getting away with it. Not that He doesn't see it. Oh, let me see the chains. He hid it under the coat and under the relationship. He sees them. He can't break them until you expose them. Until you trust them with them. Family, it's time to, to, to admit whatever sinful pattern you're in and break it. It's time to start trusting God with everything. Listen to me, everything. Family, future, finances. I mean, you can't catch a break finances because you don't trust God with your finances. This is a hard, that's a hard message, but I can preach all day on that. I've been there, stubborn. Some of you can't catch a break and you won't catch a break with your finances. Don't worry, I'm not taking an offering. You won't catch a break with your finances until you trust Him with it. Say, God, I trust you. Here, you want a percentage? I'll give you a percentage just to show you that I trust you. Amen. You don't want to give it to the church? Don't give it to the church. I mean, that's what the Word says, but you do your, your way. You can do His thing your way. That's on you. <laughs> but the point is, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm not giving you a tip. Here's $3 when the offering comes by. I'm not tipping God. This is not a restaurant. Even at a restaurant, you know better than to do a, a tip, right? But, or you know better than to, right? You pull out, who pulls out their tip calculator and figures 15%? No, they were really, really nice. I'm going to give them 15.5%. <laughs> it's time for you to trust God with everything, with your finances, with your future, with your family. 1 John 2.15 says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. Amen. Wow. It's time for the church, it's, listen, it's time for the world to see the fruit of the church. This is, this is a hard message for me to preach. We're not even in our building. I'm in here with like a third of the church that used to meet over there. It's a hard message for me to share, but I know but I know what's right is right. I know what the word is. The word is the word. It's time for the world to see the fruitfulness of the church. We need to live such fruitful lives that the world around us is envious of us. How are they going to even see the light of God in us if we just want to be like them? If we idolize the people they idolize. Oh my God. Kanye, Beyonce, all that, every other. Coco Head, every other. Man, don't get me started on that. But if we worship their same idols, well, where's our fruit? Who are we? That means we have nothing better on our side. We have nothing better to love. We have nothing better that we have to pursue their little trashy idols. People that think that they're God, that call themselves God. Somebody, if, 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 this, if the Spirit of God is in you and somebody comes to you and says, my name is Jehovah, that's it. Our relationship is over. But well, that right. <laughs> it's over. Like, no, no, you're not, bro. <laughs> how do you have, people need to come to us and say, how do you have such peace in such hard times? We gotta live lives that are people that ask us, how do you have such joy when things are so bad in your life? That's rough. How can you sing God's song in a time like this? 
In order to do that, church, we need to learn to remain in Him. Worship team, you guys can come so, so they think I'm closing. Um, <laughs> we need to learn to remain in Him. <clears throat> in the final night, this is it, I, I am closing for real. In the final night, Jesus was with His disciples and they would now be headed toward the Garden of Gethsemane. They, it's after the Last Supper. They're going to head to the place where Jesus is going to be arrested and eventually crucified. And he, he stops to give them the last illustration that he would give them before the cross. Listen, if, if God gave you one last picture while he walked with you, I would think it would be a good to pay attention to that one last. Like, like that shouldn't be the one we ignore. Amen? He told stories all day long. But the last story we should probably have a little focus on. Like, whoa, this is the last one that he gave us. He's like, if I can leave you with one picture, here it is. And he tells him in John 15, I'm the vine. It's like this picture. I, I imagine he's walking through and, and they see a vine on, on the side of a house of, you know, with grapes or whatever. I, you know, the word doesn't say that. I'm just imagining that. I, I imagine that as he's walking, as they're walking on that path, he sees a vine and he says, ah, I got a picture for you. I am the vine and you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear fruit. It's a beautiful picture. I'm the vine and you're the branches that are connected to the vine. If you stay connected to the vine, the life of the, of the, of the vine, the life of the vine, the, nur the nourishment, the nutrients of the vine will come through the branches and create fruit and flowers. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Ever see a branch on the floor? It's dead. Even if for that moment the leaves are green, the flowers are beautiful, like when you cut it and we give each other flowers, they're beautiful. But what happens? They die. Because they're not connected. And we can put a little tube at the end, and we can put vitamins, and we can put a penny, and all the things that we do in the, in the flower pots, right? We can do all that stuff. We can put salt, we can put the cold water, whatever. Make it last a little longer. But once that thing is cut from the vine, it dies. He says, if anyone doesn't remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Oh man, there's provision in the connection. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He ends that passage. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wow. If you want to find the joy of walking this Christian life, you got to stay and remain. you got to remain in Him. You can't be a Sunday Christian. A Sunday Christian is like a, a vase, a, a vase, however you want to say it, of, you know, three dozen roses. Beautiful on Sunday. Monday, still nice. They might blossom. Tuesday, they still might. By Wednesday, you're taking a little leaf off the edge, right? You're taking the crispy ends off. By Thursday, they're starting to fold over. You might give them a fresh cut. And you, all the tricks that you guys do to make it last better. 
by Friday, by Saturday, by Sunday. You got to start. They start to stink. Anybody left flowers in the vase too long and it starts to stink? You're like, what's that smell in my house? Why? And you look everywhere because you never would suspect that it's the flowers that smell bad, but it's because they're disconnected. Oh, when we disconnected, we start to stink. When we disconnected, our lives start to suck. They start to dis they start to stink because they're no longer connected to the vine. Whatever you're wrestling with today, church, I, I, I encourage you, let it go. And trust God and remain in it. And if, if, I, if that's you, if that was for one of you today, then amen. I want you to stand and, and just say, God, I, today I choose as for me. I titled this message as for me. Because this is so personal. This is not about as for the church, as for my friends, as for, as for me. God, I, I choose to be near you. And if that's you, I just encourage you to, to, to make that decision today. God, I, I choose to be near you. As, as for me. He tells them in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Jesus never hid the trouble. He said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. my challenge to you, let's just bow our heads and, and my, my, my challenge to you is that today that you, before you leave here you'd have an ask for me moment you'd make a decision you'd kind of weigh out the, the challenges and the battles and the struggles If you sometimes we just have to kind of look and say man, the thing that I'm focusing on is the thing that's distracting me instead of being bitter in this if I was grateful in this, my whole life would change if I remained in Him, His joy would be in me and my joy would be complete. I challenge some of you to test that this week. If it doesn't work, then go back to your miserable lives. It's all good. But if it works, what if it changes your life? What if you start walking with the joy of the Lord? What if you understood that to remain in Him and, and that He leads me and that He calls me and that He holds my hand, even in times of trouble, He leads me and He calls me and He holds my hand. Even in, in times of turmoil, even when I'm afraid, even when I'm, I'm nervous, even when I think I'm overwhelmed, in times of, He holds my hand and He's near to me. So I leave you with the last word from, from Joshua. He says, he was confronting the people. And he, he used that as for me statement. He said, uh, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. Whether it be the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you're now living. But as for me, in my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit conviction, Lord. Fall fresh on us right now, Lord. If that was for you, you need to stand, man. I just encourage you. Now is the time to make choices. Let's just, let's just stand before God and say, God, that's me.
We're not going to have a, a whole prayer team uh, lead you in prayer. This is this is for you. So you know we have to be mature enough sometimes to to not depend on everybody else around, but to just put ourselves in the right place, and then to make the right choices with God, with the Spirit of God in us. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, I know that your word will never return void. So I thank you that your, your word, I, I pray that even now, even later, even, even later on, that it would just continue to, to cut through bone and marrow, that it would continue to seep deep into us, Lord God. Not my words, your word, Lord God. Not my message, but your word, Lord. That your word. I pray no one here remembers me, but they remember your word. They remember your call. They remember their decision, their choices, God. And I pray this week would be a, a week of abundance, God. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of not having, God, that they would find themselves completely full in you. Completely satisfied, God. Help us to, to live that way this week, Lord. This week we test you in that, God. We test us in that because you're always faithful Lord and we'll be sure to give you all the glory in Jesus name
of us fall into that category. There are areas in our life that we need to surrender to God. So can we just stand together as a church, as a body? Just ask God to just fill us up, you know? So you're not trading something for nothing. When you give over something to God, God will refresh you, fill you up, and give you even, even that much more better. So I just want to sing this bridge together with you guys. And it just says, just says, Spirit of God, for fresh on us, we need your Say spirit, spirit of 
Father, we thank you, Lord. Indeed, your patience for us is overwhelming. We can't understand it, Lord, because even as some of us are parents, so we've been put in a place to be patient, we always lose. But there's something about your grace, Lord, that you stir us into greatness, oh God, and you remind us of who we are in you. And you show us who we are apart from you. And then we run back to you, Lord, because we understand that who are we unless you are our full identity, oh God. So Father, we don't puff up ourselves. We don't exist without you. Because every good and great thing we have right now is because of your grace and because you've given it to us. So we can't lay claim to this or to that because you are the giver. You are the blesser. You are the provider. You've always been that. So Father, we come before you humbly if we could even say that. We ask your forgiveness if we've offended you in any way, Lord. If we've taken the credit for things, Lord, that, that you were already doing. If we've lifted ourselves above your name, Lord. If we've taken for granted, Father, all that you give. And it's amazing, even in your love, you allow us. And you love us anyway. And that's true love, oh God. Father, we say, Lord, purify our hearts today, Lord. As that old hymn would say, purify our hearts. Cleanse me, Lord, I pray. Take away, release from me all that is standing in the way. Purify our hearts. We know that we're blessed and we're called to be a blessing. You guys are blessed, so be a blessing. Have a wonderful week.